Welcome to Fireside Financial. Together, Joe Curry and Regan Schiller offer and discuss insights and advice on all aspects of retirement planning. So grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back and join us by the fireside as we explore all the topics related to planning for your retirement. Hey, Joe, how's it going? It's going great, Regan. How about you? Not bad. I'm excited. This is our third fireside chat episode. And as we discussed just before starting recording here, we have an interesting topic to discuss today. Why don't you share with the audience the topic that we're going to talk about? Sure. So it's kind of two sides of the same coin. So one is taking a look at where do we see people who feel like they're well prepared for retirement, but then they get into kind of some spending traps they weren't prepared for, didn't plan for. And the flip side of that is taking a look at where do we see situations where our clients could actually be spending a lot more money than they are and trying to maybe twist their arm a little bit and get Mm -hmm. them to to make good use of those funds. Yeah, so we could coin this, do I spend more in retirement or do I spend less in retirement? So we'll save the spend less in retirement. We'll we'll get to that one next. Let's talk about some one of the more uncommon mistake we could call it is where people don't feel like they can spend their money. Now, I guess what would be your biggest identifier with this issue? Like how would you spot it easily? Well, I think one of the things I would look or is a big shift between the income someone has been living with while they're working mm-hmm. and what they're showing their expenses are going to be when they get to retirement. If we have a household with $200,000 income and all of a sudden they're going to just spend $75,000 a year in retirement, mm-hmm. but that's a bit of a trigger or a flag for me. Yeah. Where you feel like they're going to have like an adjustment with that spending or that income or... Well, it just looks like maybe they're missing some pieces there, or maybe they're underestimating where their money's going right now. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's taking care of the bills, the groceries, some eating out, but maybe it's not taking into account how much vacation is actually going to cost or the travel they're going to do. Or maybe it's not looking at buying a vehicle every couple of years or that same high-end vehicle they were buying when they were working. So those are just a couple of the examples. Yeah, or if, like renovations or things like that that they were wanting to do, not really accounting for the effect it's going to have on their retirement portfolio or plan, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And so where I've seen a lot of people have success in sticking closer to that spending they're expecting mm-hmm. is when they've done all these kind of big projects before they get to retirement. We might have even talked to it yeah, some of our yeah. previous, yeah. right? Yeah, so it's kind of getting those final renovations and, and having things basically taken care of when that income's still coming in from yeah. working so that once they get to retirement, there are less surprises. Yeah, I think that'd be the more key thing is get those things done ahead of time. So when you do go into retirement, you're not withdrawing large chunks out of your portfolio for things like that when there's most likely not going to be as much money coming in. Yeah. Is there anything, Regan, that you're doing to help clients maybe avoid that potential pitfall ahead of actually getting to retirement? Yeah, I think discussions are the key thing. More recently with one of our clients, she realized that she doesn't need the lifestyle. She's decided to retire early, actually. It was totally by choice just stuff going on in her life and just decided that I'm just going to do this now. I know I want the time for myself kind of thing. I don't want to be stressed out about all this stuff. I want to focus on my family and that kind of thing. But then she was able to realize that I don't need that expensive car. It doesn't really add value. All the shopping that I do because of my good income, those things don't really add value to my life. And so we had a lot of these discussions and retiring earlier, yes, it did have effect on her retirement plan because if I illustrate you working to 65, saving and doing everything before you start withdrawing money out, and then I illustrated you're going to do this now at 60, no matter what, it's going to be a negative impact to that original plan. But after going through this kind of discovery of talking about when she spends, spending habits actually add value to her situation. 
you know, it was quite easy for her to peel back about 15 to 20% of her annual spending per year without an issue. And then retiring five years earlier, like I said, didn't negatively affect her plan results, but ultimately she can move forward and enjoy that lifestyle and still retire. Yeah, that's perfect. I think identifying your values really is helpful when you're looking at spending, right? Mm -hmm. And I've talked about this before, but when people are not clear on their values, it's hard to differentiate on where you're spending money and why you're spending that money. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've been talking to people a lot more about. We've created a navigator on this too, helping you people identify those values. Mm -hmm. But if you can identify what are those core values that you have, mm -hmm. and then you kind of go back through your spending. If you do like once a month, you just look, where am I spending money? And then you can see if there's a disconnect there, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So one of the best books that I've read on getting that framework of identifying what's important and aligning your spending with that mm -hmm. is that The Latte Factor by David Bach. I'm not sure if you read that or not, yeah, but yeah. So it's a book I hand out to people a lot when they're having trouble around that spending and like dialing it in because it really just talks a lot about most people can kind of have what they want. They just can't have everything. Yeah. And so when you identify what's important, then it's a lot easier to dial that spending in on those things that are important and you know where to dial back. Yeah. For the listeners, we should put that in our show notes, the book's name, or if you have a link towards it. For Absolutely. Them. Yeah, we'll throw that in the show okay. notes for sure. Yeah, perfect. That's great. I think it's, you're right. A lot of good conversations can shed light on a lot of those things. Some of the other ones that I've had in the past, it's, so someone may feel that they're not going to live long, right? So they want to do all these things as soon as they retire, which I understand why you would do that. But unfortunately, we don't get to pick our mortality date. Yeah. So if you're wrong on that prediction, you could find yourself in maybe not so desirable place 10 years down the road. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that can help some people with that is to have a bit of a fallback. That's probably easier for people who maybe have a defined benefit pension. <laughs> so if they have their CPP and their only security and their defined benefit pension, at least they know that if I do spend through my portfolio, I have a backup that's going to at least be able to pay my bills and kind of maintain that basic lifestyle. Yeah. But for people that are self-employed like us, and we're relying on our savings basically to fund a retirement in the future, there's a lot less forgiveness there. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. You're right. In the past, these situations that I've saw or come across, they did have the pension plans were kind of their break even. The challenge with that, though, is if you, like I said, 10 years down the road, you may find yourself in a non-desirable location would be what factor in is, well, now I have to replace my roof or my windows or there's large transactions that have to take place or unexpected yeah. expenses, which... You don't know what they're going to be, but you might as well plan that they'll be there because most likely they will be there. Absolutely. If yeah. you're going to be a homeowner, there's going to be something that comes up through your retirement. Yeah. And even if it isn't that, there's always unexpected expenses. So if you don't have that, it could create more stresses, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Or force yeah. you to go back to work is another, I guess, downfall to that. Is there anything that you would say or do as far as planning goes with those clients? Or is it just kind of is what it is? Yeah, no, there is. Yeah. I'll run scenarios where, you know, you keep on this trend and then I'll look at a cash flow report. And then I can kind of see where they would have their shortfalls and in what years and by how much. And then I would look at, well, keep doing what you're doing. Here's what you can expect roughly. And that's using our assumptions around inflation and return rates and all that kind of stuff. And then I might look at what if you peeled back retirement spending by 10%, how does that affect things? Or if you went back to work part-time or so on and so forth. So I usually going through those exercises, someone can see that well, yeah, there's a good chance I'll be running into cash flow problems. So by making these micro adjustments now, they can kind of get ahead of it, right? Yeah. And then it's hoping that education is helping them make good decisions, right? Yeah. One of the things I find, and this will probably transition to the other half of our conversation here, but is I find that people who want to spend more than they should in retirement, they really underestimate the compounding of inflation. 
<laughs> and people who don't spend nearly as much as they could really underestimate the compounding of their portfolio growth. In return. Right? Yeah, that's an excellent segue. So basically what you're saying there is that on the flip side of this conversation, someone who's done a really good job saving, sure, they might have defined benefits, pension plans, but they've done a good job stashing cash away. They move into retirement, always lived well below their means. Now they're in retirement. Their cost of living is essentially the same as it was before because they haven't, right? But they have now a fear of withdrawing money from their accounts because they're afraid that they're going to run out of money. And it is a hard transition. You know, I always coin it as it's a paradigm shift that you go through, right? So yeah, one day you're exactly. putting away, putting away, putting away money. And then one day if someone says, nope, stop that. Now take money out. It's a hard transition to make. It's a really hard transition. And for some people, it just means that they don't spend as much as they could and that portfolio grows. Mm -hmm. I feel like for other people, it maybe has them make some decisions that might not be optimal with their investment portfolio. Like they might even get to the point where they're too conservative because right. they're scared of seeing that money go down in the short term. <laughs> but it really is a big paradigm shift. That's a really good word for it. It's a way that you've done something for 30 or 40 years and all of a sudden you have to do it differently. Yeah, right? yeah you have to see it differently now. I... I always give the story of like my personal paradigm shift was so me and my wife, we adopted our children and our first child. Basically, we had no children, obviously. And then yeah. in two hours, we had a little 12 hour boy in our hands being like, what the heck just happened here? Right? <laughs> yeah, Really two hours introduction from no kids to kid. So that was a huge paradigm shift for me because there was no lead up to it. It was just yeah. constant reaction. Like, oh, but God, or like get the phone call, that type of phone call things kind of go blurry for a minute and you're just reacting, right? But as soon as I held him, boy, I tell you, that was very pronounced. Like it was a very big, like, like someone took a switch and, <laughs> and uh, now I saw everything differently though. The things I worried about before, I don't worry about now. Now I have a whole new set of worries that I didn't think of before. And it was very quick how it came. And you know, I know retirement's not the same. Typically you're gonna have lead up where you can plan for it and et cetera. But the idea around how your relationship with money is probably going to at one point, you're going to have that paradigm shift like we talked about with that lever gets pulled and now you got to draw money out and that can be intimidating. Yeah, there's kind of two levers you're pulling there, right? The first one is actually getting into retirement, mm -hmm. but then the second one is changing that thinking around it, Yeah, which yeah, kind of seems to be the one that isn't always as easy to pull. Yeah, and talking about that one then, so have you come across circumstances where you've had to encourage people to spend money? Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing I would say before I jump into that is that it's important for people to know that if you're going to have a 30 or 40 year retirement, which we obviously we don't know what that is, you will and you should see your investments grow probably on average over the first 10 years. And that's important because as inflation goes up and you're pulling more out of those, you'll need that to support the spending later in life. Yep. But where this is where planning becomes very important is if you have a really good plan that allows you to understand what you can withdraw safely, <laughs> then that could also be a target for trying to spend, like try to spend up to that target <laughs> because then you're not going to leave this portfolio that's way bigger than you ever could have imagined yeah. or a mattress stuffed full of money as I sometimes say to people. So sticking with that plan is maybe you don't need to spend it because you're not, you know, big travel plans, or you're not going to buy a cottage or maybe that's just not in your nature, but there's probably other ways you can get joy from using that money, right? So maybe it's gifting to your kids yeah. while they're around so you can actually see them enjoy that money. Yeah. Or maybe it's giving to your, your favorite charities or church or whatever it is mm -hmm. where you want to have a positive impact and you get joy from doing it. Like that's okay. It's okay to spend money that way too. Mm -hmm. I don't think either of us are going to suggest this throwing money away. It's going yeah. back to the values conversation, yeah. right? But along with that, that thinking we we're just talking about, 
I do see a lot of our clients who call them 70 plus who have these portfolios that are growing and growing and they're not increasing their spending. They're never going to spend that money. So it's really going back to the values and see how could they spend that money in a way that they're going to enjoy because they're the ones that save the money. Right. They yeah. sacrificed their whole life to be in that position. Mm -hmm. How do they want to use that money? Yeah, absolutely. I had this one circumstance where early 70s, late 60s kind of thing, like 65, 71 age range and it was this household. And yeah, very good savers. They built a considerable amount of wealth in their portfolios and things of that nature, but they're just not big spenders, right? And they didn't have insane incomes either throughout their lifetime. They just saved really well. But one of our meetings, they were talking about, it was wintertime and they're kind of annoyed that they don't have a garage and that they always have to wipe the snow off their vehicles. And when we had the discussion about this garage, they said, yeah, we have the room for it. We just don't want to spend the money. It's probably about going to cost us 20 grand or 30 grand, whatever it was at the time. Yep. And I remember basically telling them like, if you guys want a garage, go build a garage. It's perfectly fine. Like, and it was, we just run that in their plan to show them that they did that withdrawal for that purchase and yeah, no effect on their retirement plan whatsoever. And they actually did take that advice and go build the garage. And it's one of those things. So, right. Sometimes you just need permission. I feel like that's yeah, yeah. part of it. The ironic thing about that is they just invested that into their house. That'll probably still come out of the inheritance. Yeah, they yeah, right. can sell the, sell yeah. the house. Yeah, I've had a lot so where they want to give the parents want to give money to their kids, but they are afraid of like what it affect them in their retirement. But that living legacy, if you will, giving money and watching it have a positive impact on your kid's life. When you can run that in a client's plan. So we say, OK, so let's say each year you want to do 10 grand for gifts for your kids just outside of Christmas and birthdays and things like that. You want to do 10,000 a year of extra gifts and just run that in as a, you know, an annual expense. And then the client will see that their overall retirement plan is really not affected by that withdrawal strategy. So the question would become then, I guess, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, the why, to answer the why wouldn't you, one thing I have per client say is, yeah, I could give them the money, but I just don't want them to go blow it, right? But I guess a couple of things I would say to that is, maybe one is just give them permission to blow it. Maybe say, this is so you can take the family on a vacation because mm -hmm. people are in their 60s and 70s and their kids probably have a somewhat young family. They're probably scraping by to be able to do fun things with their family. So yeah. maybe that's a way you actually just give them permission to do that. So it doesn't eat into the money they're trying to set aside to save for retirement and yeah. pay off their mortgage, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's one side of it. I guess the flip side of it is if you don't give it to them now in an amount, like you said, like say 10 grand or something a year, well, at some point they're going to get a million or 2 million if you let it keep growing. You know what I mean? So yeah. you can give it to them in a manageable amount now, or there's going to get a massive lump sum at some point yeah. in the future. Yeah. And then you can have conversations, like have a family conversation with them about this gift and what the meaning of it is and yeah. how hard it was for you to save that money and your sacrifices you made when they were young growing up so that you could have this lifestyle now and share that with them. And I think most likely the children would probably have maybe a bit different respect for that gift. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, but it is interesting sometimes when you see people with a lot of money and they're afraid to spend a few extra dollars a year. But I get it. It's somewhat of a generation thing you could call because they, they would have grown up. The people we're talking about here, 60s, 70s kind of thing, they probably most likely grew up with not very much family money, if you will. And that's why they had to become such good savers, right? And they just continue with that trend. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if we got a code, I'm going to wrap up here. Yep. I'm going to put you on the spot. So you don't have to answer this and I'll go first. But maybe if we could give an action item to our listeners about maybe not spending too much or not worrying about spending more of it or than that position, kind of what would be your top action item? And I'll go first so you can think about yep. that for a minute. My one thing would be for anyone, I say a year out from retirement is figure out what you think that cash flow is. 
And we can talk about this another time, Regan, or I'm sure we both done podcasts in the past about figuring out your cash flow, but figure out what you think it's going to be and then set up a new bank account where you take your paychecks, never actually go into your main checking. And whatever that amount is, you think you can live on for an annual basis, just have that go into your new checking account once a month and see if you can actually live off that amount without to a bunch of things coming up where you actually have to start pulling back out of yeah. call it your savings account or whatever that yeah. account is. Yeah. Okay. That's actually a good idea. I do that exercise on if you, like I would encourage, let's say someone wanted to get a mortgage or a new mortgage and it's thousand or $2,000 more per month or whatever the case may be, I would maybe try saving that money on a monthly basis first before committing to the mortgage. The same kind of idea. The action item was around your cash flow planning essentially, right? Yeah. So that's where mine is. Yeah. I would say if you went through your current monthly expenses and identify what's discretionary and what's non-discretionary. So what's your retirement paycheck that you need? obviously heat, power, water, all that kind of necessities. And what are the things that were more of a retirement play check, right? And that retirement play check component, maybe spend some time in on that one to find out, go back to the beginning of our conversation about what's the value in that discretionary spending. And is there areas where you maybe don't have to spend as much or is there areas where you should spend more? Those types of things. Perfect. I think that's a good way to wrap. I think so. I think so. All right, Joseph, thank you once again. And yeah, we'll brainstorm what our next topic is. And until next month, to our listeners, we look forward to talking with you. Thanks, again. Take care, everyone. Take care. Bye. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.